welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. you guys a couple questions about Christmas? Sure. What is the question? <laughs> it's about Santa Claus. Young man, deck the halls with... Um, that's... You guys mind if I ask you a quick question? Okay. Do you guys know how many reindeer Santa has? No. <laughs> Twelve. Incorrect. Thirteen? Ten. Incorrect. Eight. Thirteen, I think? Ten. Eight plus Rudolph. Eight. Nine. Well done. Rudolph. Red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. Can I ask you guys a real quick question? You guys just waiting for the Holidazzle parade? Do you by any chance know the name of all of Santa's reindeer? Donner, Dancer, Prancer, Nixon. Donner, Dixon, Grumpy. No, that's just, that's just Jeremiah or anybody named Nehemiah. Uh, of Santa's reindeer? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Dasher? Dancer. Dasher? It's in there. I, know, I, said that. I already said that one. Dasher and Dancer, Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. Common, Cupid, Donner and Blitzen. Calling birds, three French hens, two. Okay. Four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. Five point with the stacks, with the stacks. You can see me coming through. Can I ask you a quick question about Christmas? Do you believe in Santa Claus? Yes. I hate to break it to you, but Santa Claus is not real. Hey, ma'am, do you have about 10 minutes so I can ask you a couple questions? It's like 10 or 15 minutes. All right. Give it up for Nick on uh, Nicolette. Uh, I was amazed at this. I was amazed at the secularization of the Christmas holiday, that even with all that, people didn't know even the secular part of it. I mean, if you were to ask them about the religious part of what we're celebrating, I, I would expect that many, many people would not know. But even with the secular stuff, they're like, no clue. Got no clue. Not a clue. And Jeremiah is not a reindeer, all right? <laughs> and that one guy, he looked like the nightmare before Christmas. He's like, mm. I was like, wow, all right. Keep sending Nick out, all right. We're starting a series called Always Room for Family. There's always room for family. 
And uh, as I look at the story of the birth of Jesus Christ, I'm reminded, and you are probably as well if you read the scriptures, you know that uh, there wasn't room for Jesus at his birth. We're going to read that and that there was no room in the end. And yet when we see that, I think we've got to address that and say there needs to be room today for everyone. There's always room for family. There's room for whosoever will can call upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever will, there's always room for family. And um, I know this, that I know I'm getting old because uh, really all I want for Christmas is to have family around. It really is. I just want family there. Um, you know, and, and I was saying this to, to Becca, and she was teasing me. She's like, that's because if you want it, you just go buy it. Well, I mean, that's okay, part of it. But, you know, what I really want for Christmas, though, is just to be with family. I just want them around. And uh, I, I think that the poorest man that has a household full of family members is really the richest man. Um, because no matter how much you make, you can't buy family. You can't force family to love you. You can't force them to show up at your Christmas get-together. And if you have family, I think uh, you're in a great place. So in this series, looking at there's always room for family. There's, there's always room for people that are, are, are there that, that can come and join us. And as we look at this series, we're going to look at there's a lot of family connections in this series. We're going to look at Mary and Elizabeth and the fact that John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins. And so that's part of the story. That's a family connection. We're also going to look in this series at the people that we call family that aren't really family. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, the crazy uncle that we call uncle, but he's not uncle. And so that's like the shepherds and the wise men. And so we're going to look at how it's extended and there's always room for family in this series. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, that's what we're going to look at. And I'm, I'm excited for this to talk about there being always room for family. In Luke chapter 2, we have the story of the birth of Jesus. And it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. I'm going to stop there for just a minute. And I'm going to stop there with a little apologetics for just a moment. Uh, Christmas and everything in our faith, how many know is being under attack? It's just coming under attack, uh, creation, and just all the things that we believe. And we're, we're going to do a series in the future about that. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to add some apologetics to what we believe and why we believe and why this is accurate. And uh, some people doubted for a while that, that people actually had to go to their city to do a census. And they actually doubted that this was legitimate and real. And I could tell you that this is legitimate and real, that in the days of the birth of Jesus Christ, in that time frame, people did go to their city to pay the taxes. It's another proof of how the Bible is accurate, not knowing that we needed this proof, but again, showing us in an apologetic way to say that this is true. And, and this is something that they found in Egypt. And it said, uh, Gaius Vesebius Maximus, the prefect of Egypt, orders, seeing that the time has come for the house-to-house census, it is necessary to compel all those who for any cause whatsoever are residing outside their districts to return to their own homes, that they may both carry out the regular order of the census and may also diligently attend to the cultivation of their allotments. Okay, so it's saying we've got to go and you've got to go to your city, you've got to pay your taxes, and you have to be counted. And this was part of culture, and they have this for hundreds of years at the time of the Bible, at the time of Jesus' birth. 
And it's just another outside proof of what we're reading here is real, it's historical, it's accurate. And some would say, well, Quirinius wasn't really governor at that time, but he had a high uh, official position in that time, and this is accurate. So I'm just helping you out here. It said, so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And we know that story. It's very familiar. Kids will act it out. We'll probably have it read on Christmas Eve. It's interesting that um, the innkeeper here takes a bad rap, and um, we actually don't have any uh, record of anyone's name there. It doesn't even say the innkeeper said there was no room, but we just assumed that because there was no room at the inn, there must have been an innkeeper that was a bad guy. And if you want to have a good confession now, how many have felt like the innkeeper was a bad guy? Go ahead and raise your hand. It's good for your soul. Come on, do it here every campus. Yeah, we, we've done that. We've dogged them. Um, now, it's possible that the innkeeper, there was an innkeeper, and that there actually was a hotel-type situation or people would rent out their rooms. Um, but what they would do is they would put their animals in the lower level, kind of a two-level uh, uh, building, if you would, and the animals would go down below, and then the adults and the human beings, we, they'd all sleep above the animals, and the animals acted like a furnace. You see what I'm saying? So the animals are down below you, heat rises, and so that's what would happen. And so it's possible that there was an innkeeper that actually said, ah, there's no room upstairs, but we'll give you a spot downstairs with the animals. It's possible. Um, but there were also inns in the day and age of, of Jesus that were just kind of like self-serve, self-serve. You just go, and there was a little cave, and they'd cut it out, and there was no innkeeper. It was more like a campground, okay? So not motel, more like a campground. Just kind of go in, find your spot, and it's, it's very probable that there was no innkeeper. So all of you that dogged the innkeeper, you can repent later, all right? So... <laughs> But here's the thing. The point of it is it just feels wrong, doesn't it, that there's no room for Jesus. It feels wrong that there's no room for Jesus, that the story of welcoming the birth of the Savior has in it not, not welcoming him. He's not, there's no room. He's got to be born with the animals. He's got to be born in a manger. He, he's he's got to be outside of what we feel comfortable with. And, and it just, it feels like we should be really friendly and this story should be friendly. And I hope that our church is friendly. And I hope that we're friendly year-round, and it's not just at Christmas we're like, okay, let's be friendly because it's Christmas. I hope that our, our, our feeling is there's always room for family year-round, right. year-round. I found this online. It said, Ways to Know Your Church is Unfriendly by Todd Pugh. And he said, uh, here's eight ways to know your church is unfriendly. Uh, he said, the first way to know your church is unfriendly, the sign out front says, for members only. I don't know, that's not very friendly. Uh, <laughs> Secondly, the parking lot has a sign that says, unauthorized vehicles will be towed at owner's expense. That's a bad thing. Your church is not friendly. Uh, the church lobby has a sign that says, no loitering. That's bad, all right? It's not friendly. Uh, when people say, praise the Lord, the guy behind you says, we don't do that here. That's not very friendly, all right? Uh, when the pastor's message is entitled, The Theological Significance of the Eschatological Dimensions of This Sanctified Life and the Premillennial View of Predestination, it's probably not very friendly. I'm just saying. <laughs> probably not. Uh, when they pass the offering plate twice, probably not friendly. All right, just... 
when the lobby coffee and donuts say $1.50 for donuts, dollar for coffee, limit one. That's not friendly. And how many know at River Valley, they're free? Some of you didn't know that. You're going to go hit them right now. All right. And the last thing to know that your church is not friendly, if their motto is, we're getting smaller but purer. You know, that's probably not very friendly. All right. But seriously, we are a church that believes there's always room for family. There's always room for someone else. And although the story doesn't say that there is room and and Jesus, there was no room for him, I think we need to accept this now. There's room for family. There's room for people to join us. There's room for them to come in. And never before have people been so lonely. They've been begging for family, begging for someone to take them in. Uh, Since 1984, uh, they did a survey and they, they found out that the average person had about 10 friends. Now it's shrinking down to about six friends. Because we're working so much, we spend so much time with the TV and with the internet, our friend level is going down. One in eight people today say they have no one that they could just drop in on. You're just out for the evening, you get done early, you're thinking, who can we drop in on? One in eight people are saying, we don't even have anybody that we'd call a friend that we could drop in on. They said, we're more uncomfortable now simply asking our neighbors for something so simple like eggs or syrup. You're kind of like, well, I don't know. I mean, should we knock on, what's their name again? You know, should we go knock on, which doors? Do we choose right or left? Which one's friendlier? They have dogs. I don't know, you know. And, and let's just go to Quick Trip. Let's just go, you know. And we don't even feel comfortable doing that. People are lonely. They're lonely. And if ever there was a time to say, there's always room for family, now's the time to say it. Listen to what Psalm 68, 6 says. It says, God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. And I don't believe people set out to be lonely. How many know that being lonely just can be a casualty of life? You're just going along and all of a sudden life piles up against you and it makes you lonely. And God sets people in families. And we believe if you're here at River Valley Church, maybe you got an invite. Maybe you just saw an advertising. Maybe you drove by and saw the sign at one of our campuses. We believe that if, if you're here, God set you here. God brought you here. It said God sets the lonely in families. Maybe you were looking for something, and we, we're here, and we're saying, welcome to the family. I've seen some churches put out signs that say, welcome home. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Say, welcome home. This is family. You're part of this. God sets people here. There's no strangers here. We're all in this together. And I know we don't know each other very well, and, and let me just say this to all of our campuses. We are growing so fast. We are growing so fast, and we have a a casualty of that, and that's that we don't know everybody as well, but that means you have to take time to know them. You have to take time after service. You have to take advantage of it. It's true. The coffee and the refreshments, it's free. It's like that on purpose because we don't want people to just blitz out of here and get out of here wherever possible. When we've designed our our campuses, we've designed them with big lobbies. And I know Minatrista has like a 12 by 12 lobby, you know, but we're expanding, all right? We're making it bigger. We want you to be connected to people. And we believe that being a part of this family, being a part of the church family, comes with incredible benefits. We believe that. It's a proven fact that if you are part of a church, you will live 5.7 years longer. It's a proven fact. Studies have shown that you will live 5.7 years longer if you're in a part of a church, if you belong to a church. Proven fact that your blood pressure will lower if you join a church. 
True. They, they studied it. They studied it in America, and they thought, well, maybe that's because of the biblical heritage of America, and, you know, 40% of Americans are going to church. So they went to Norway, where only 4% are going to church. And they surveyed those 4% that are going to church, checked their blood pressure, and found out that it even works in Norway. <laughs> it's got to be true then, right? <laughs> People that it's better for your health and you go to church and you're part of this family because you're more optimistic. People that belong to church look at the brighter side of life. They have a hope for a better tomorrow. They find the meaning of life. It's better for your social uh, development because you find and make friends. That's why we have life groups and that's why we have training for that and say be at the training and be a part of that because it's a good thing for you. There's always room for family and if we're going to invite them in, we need more life group leaders. People develop a sense of belonging, and when you belong to something, you trust people more, and you have confidence in people. This is a good thing about being a part of a church family. There's the spiritual benefits, obviously. I mean, the, the local church is where God said, I've, I've established my church. Go and reach the world, and so we're bringing the message of hope to this world. We're telling them about eternal life with Jesus Christ. We're telling them about forgiveness. They can find out why they're here on this earth. Those are great benefits, and if it's so good, then is our attitude really there's always room for family? Because it really should be. Ever since Jesus came to this earth, there wasn't room that day, but I believe there should be room every day since then to say there's always room for family. Now, in the early church days, the apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church at Corinth, he's writing to them. In one of the passages in 2 Corinthians 7, 2, he says, make room for us in your hearts. Open up to what I'm saying. Like, we're family. I'm talking to you like family. Open up, make room in your hearts for us. And he goes on and addresses all sorts of issues that caused all sorts of problems in the church family. Because when they'd come into the church family, many of them would lose their biological family. They would disown them. And he's like, okay, guys, if this is going to be, we got to take care of one another. we got to do this. And then he's like trying to address it because husbands would want to leave their wife because they gave their life to Jesus and the wife didn't. And so they'd want to leave or the wife would give her life to Jesus and they'd want to leave. He's like, no, no, let's adjust this. we got to take care of family. And he's like, okay, we've got to do Some of them would lose their jobs because they became part of the church family. We've got to look after one another and take care of one another. Maybe they were in a, a job where they were making idols. They give their life to Jesus. They lose the business and they lay it all on the line. They're like, somebody give me a new trade. Help me out. They would lose their social life. Some of you say, well, I lost my social life being a part of this family. You know, they did too. Most of their feasts would be done in pagan temples. I mean, imagine that. Everybody's going, not you. And everybody's there, and they're like, come on, we don't care if you don't serve our God. But they'd start the whole, fe the whole festive time out with, here's a toast to the amazing God, Diana. And you had a choice to make. Do you raise your glass or not? Do you become the outcast or not? And so they're like, oh, if I'm joining the church family, i got to know that there's a family here for me. And so 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Paul's addressing this. He's saying, guys, your family, there's room for family. we got to take care of each other. Man, we give the innkeeper all sorts of grief. But I'm just going to put you on the spot here, and you got to receive this from your pastor. We, we gave you these amazing invite cards. We gave you these amazing invite cards, and we said, hey, here's these. In bundles of five, we even put a little nice little twine on there. It looks good. Made our staff do that. You know, it's good. And we said, you got to put a picture in there. But if you, you don't have a picture, we'll give you our picture. We'll make it easy. Put our picture in there. And then we went and put Pastor Robin Becca, Connor, and Logan so your friends didn't get something where they didn't know who we were, all right? So we helped you out. We said, there's room for family. 
and you rip on the innkeeper, and I'm just going to ask you straight up, seven cents to make a copy at Costco or Sam's Club, what is it, 47 cents for a stamp, did you do it? Well, you know, I didn't like the design, I don't know, I, uh, what was it? What was it? Is there room for family? I hope you invited. If you're here, we're so glad you're here that you got invited and you got a card and you're here. Your friends love you. We're glad you're here. We're glad for that. Hey, there's always been room for family. That's the way we've lived it at this church. We had one service. We had 180 people and we loved it. We loved it. 180. We knew everybody. We could say hi to everybody. We could pretty much greet everybody. And there came a point that I had to just say, guys, we got to make room for family. We're going to two services. And the church fought me like crazy. And I said, we're going for it. We're not staying here. We're going to reach more people. And so we went to two services. And oh, I don't know everybody now, but there's got to be room for family. There's got to be room. Then we went to three services and four services. And then we went from one campus to two and added Faribault. And then we added Savage and Minatrista. We had twins, you know, at the same time. <laughs> then we had Valencia. And we went multinational. I mean, it was over. And then we added Burnsville and Edina. And soon we're adding Swaziland. Do you see what's going on here? There's always room for family. And people say, why do you do this? Why do you keep growing? Why do you keep going and do that? There's always room for family. We want to reach more people because there's always room for family. It's not only us. I mean, we started High Point Church. We've started Canvas Church. We started Evergreen Church in Wisconsin. One of our elders went there. We helped to fund that. Matter of fact, 2% of our budget every year goes to starting new churches that many of us will never, ever see. 2%. Think about that. That's a lot of money. And it goes out to help churches. Why? Because there's always room for family. There's room for someone else to make their way into the family of God. Matter of fact, you may not know this, but I just got back from Cuba. And while I was down in Cuba... They had an opportunity. One of the people there uh, won what they call like the American lottery. They won the ability to move their whole family to America. It was a pastor that had built a beautiful home and a church because the home and the church are built on the same property. It's the way they do it with zoning. Basically, they build a home and they turn their living room into the church. Then when they get permission, they build a carport. Then when they get permission, they build a two-car garage double deep, even even though they don't own a car. Okay, so they build a two-car garage, double deep, and they turn that into the church right next to the house. The house becomes children's church on Sundays, their place to live. The bathroom's conveniently located between the two, all right? And then they make the church the garage with lots of windows so that they can have people looking in from the outside. So this guy wins this. He gets the opportunity to come to America, and so he wants to sell it. He needs to sell it, and I'm down there in Cuba, and they say, he's just going to America, and he's leaving, and if he sells his, his church and the house, we won't have a church. We'll lose one of our few buildings that we have. What are we going to do? I said, well, how much is it? They said, well, it's $20,000. I said, well, we'll buy it. We'll buy it. River Valley will buy it. So you don't even know it, but last week, you bought a church in Cuba, not a campus, a church, all right? Yes. Why? Because there's always room for family. That's our family in Cuba. We had money, they didn't. They had a building, we couldn't get it, we bought it for them. That's the way it works in family. There's always room for family. You say, well, I didn't send out the card, I didn't invite my friends, I haven't done anything for Christmas. Why, because you were too busy? Well, they were busy too. In the time of Jesus, we give them all this grief because they were way too busy. They had meals to prepare for family. Like, oh, my relatives are coming in from out of town. I have meals to prepare. You got to do the census. And you got to go to your thing. And I got to get my taxes ready. 
Okay, my tax is ready, and you know, I got to take care of the animals. Uh, I, I got to start my second business because all the people coming in from out of town, and I want to make a little money while they come in. And so I'm really busy. I'm too busy to pay attention to Jesus. Are we too busy to pay attention to Jesus? There's always room for family. Who am I talking about? I'm not just talking about your relatives, I'm talking about your neighbors, I'm talking about your coworkers. I'm talking about the people you go to school with. I'm talking about maybe even your literal family. Maybe they live within proximity to one of our campuses and, and you haven't even taken the effort to try to get them together for Christmas. There's always room for family. Invite them to, to your church where you know there's a life-giving message going to be given at Christmas Eve. Try to get them here. Try to get them in the series. Try to do what you can. They were busy. We're busy. You say, well, you know, just my schedule's too full. Well, Bethlehem was pretty full. You keep giving these excuses, you're sounding a lot like the innkeeper. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Becca and I had to coordinate our schedule to do our neighborhood Christmas party. We, did, we had to coordinate. We're like, okay, what about this day? No, not that day. What about this day? No, not that day. What about that? No, that day. Okay, what about that? Okay, if we come back early from this, we can do that. Let's do it that day. Then we ran it by our neighbors. That didn't work. All right, back to square two. All right, what day will work? Okay, this one. This one will work. And finally, we got it in because why? We're going to have a neighborhood Christmas party. We're going to have invite cards to invite our neighbors there and to say, hey, if you don't have a place for Christmas, there's always room for family at our family. And I can tell you this, uh, two of our neighbors in our neighborhood now, there's only um, nine homes in our little neighborhood, two of them now come to River Valley Church and, and they're, they're part of it. And the neat thing is our old neighborhood, we now have a family that it started coming from our old neighborhood and just life-changing. Their son is called into the ministry. He's active in the youth group. He's hugging me. And, and, and back when he was in our neighborhood, I think he threw things at me. And it's just amazing <laughs> how much God has done. Look at this. There's always room for family. Have you done anything for your neighbors? Have you done anything? And I'm just blessed by my old neighbors at the life change I'm hearing that's going on and the life groups that they're part of. They were full, you're full. Your calendar's full, their house is full. What's the difference? Do you have time for Jesus? Is there time for family? You say, I'm too burdened. You know, I mean, you know, and they thought it too. They had taxes, they had their own things to take care of, they had their own needs to take care of. And you're saying, well, I'm too, you know, if I do this, then I gotta buy this stuff and do this. And I gotta pay for the party. What if they don't bring anything? And this and that. And, you know, I host dinner and, you know, you see what I'm saying? Remember the message that Charlotte Gamble preached when she was here? If you didn't remember that, watch that again. She talked about when you get involved with them, you get entangled with them. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to get involved. It's a good thing to be entangled with them. Don't think of it as a burden. If, they, if, if people become a priority in your life, they won't be a burden. You just say, I'm here to reach people. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for this. Another thing, they were just too self-absorbed. They were just thinking like, we got our needs, we got our things to take care of, and there's a bunch of people in the story of the birth of Jesus that just totally miss it, that totally miss it, that are missing out. But those people that were focused on the things of God, man, Anna, Simeon, man, the shepherds, man, the, the wise men, they get involved in this and are major players in this because they were paying attention. There's a bunch of people that are overlooked and don't have any say in the story. Don't be so self-absorbed that you or your kids think Christmas revolves around them. I think back to when Priscilla Schreier was here and she said that, you know, they were telling her, their son about Christmas and, you know, it's Jesus' birthday and all this. And then he woke up and saw all his gifts on Christmas and he looked at all the gifts and he's like, am I Jesus? This is amazing. Look at all this for me. And she's like, you're not Jesus. All right. 
Don't be so self-absorbed that you act like you're what Christmas is all about or your kids are what it's all about. It's about there's always room for family. So don't miss out on the opportunity. There's room for family. I mean, you can still do it. We have them available. Focus on Christmas Eve. Focus on Get the list. Do something. Get a picture. Send it out. Do something. Don't use this. Do your own. Invite them. You, you organize it. Do that. If you sent them, follow up. Pray and follow up. I'm not assuming that not everybody did it. I'll assume that there are many that did it. And you're sitting here the whole time going, I am so glad we did it. All right. But if you did, pray and then follow up. Hey, you got the card. Is there any chance that you could join us uh, Christmas Eve? Love to have you. Why not throw a party? Throw a party in your neighborhood. Why can't we be the ones that throw the party and, and pick the best date that's possible and try to get people there? Or show up at the party in your neighborhood where they've invited you to. Show up. How about this? Just simply bake cook cookies and deliver them. Each week, the last couple of weeks, the ushers have been given nice little cookie plate-sized ones right here. They just give them to us on the way out, and you kind of look at them like, oh, I'm not inviting anybody anyways. All right. You know, why not take these, a handful, throw them on a cookie plate, and then give them to your neighbors. Merry Christmas. How simple is that? There's always room for family. One more thing. Um, I, I, I was doing this in the sermon on different ideas, and I got to say this. Um, sometimes... Most of the time. Uh, my brother Rick takes the, uh, some really hard shots as my brother and as a sermon illustration. And if you're ever doubting which brother I'm talking about, usually it's him. But anyways, um, <laughs> he deserves some praise. Him and his wife Kate deserve some praise on this. Um, he's one of our deacons. And uh, they've thrown a party for years on Christmas Eve. And they said, whosoever will can come. Christmas Eve party at our house. Think about it. In all the craziness and all that's going on, Christmas Eve party at their house. And they have kettles. I'm talking the big kettles of soup. And, and it's just, come on in. And it's like for hours and hours and hours on end, they invite their neighbors, coworkers, church members, family members. It's become a tradition of ours that we get done with the last service on Christmas Eve, go straight over to their house. They've already been having a party for hours. Have the soup and enjoy and fellowship and have fun. Hug them goodbye. Go back home. That's part of our tradition. I thought, wow, how amazing is that? There's always room for family. There's always room. Maybe some people, instead of all saying, let's all go to Rick and Kate's house, that'd be, it'd be, it's a lot of fun there, and they're great cooks, but let me tell you, what about you starting that? Yeah. Why couldn't River Valley just be known as the church that there's always room for family after Christmas Eve? Man, if you don't have a church home, this is, this is your church home. If, you, if you're away from relatives, if serving the Lord has cost you your family, well, guess what? Welcome to the family. Right. Soup is on for you. We'll... we'll We'll add more water and throw some flour in there and stretch it out. <laughs> we'll do whatever we have to do. There's always room for family. Don't look at your neighbors, your coworkers, family and say, what's in it for me? Look at them and say, how can I serve them? How can I let them know that they can be part of this family, that there's always room for family? There may not have been room for Jesus, but there is room for everyone now. Will you make room for Jesus now? And I know we say, well, I would do it. I would do it. Let me read this as I close. Martin Luther, the reformer, said this. If only I had been there, how quickly I would have been there to help the baby. I would have washed his linen. How happy I would have been to go with the shepherds to see the Lord laying in the manger. We say that now because we know how great Christ is. But if we had been there at that time, we would have done no better than the people of Bethlehem. How do I know it? 
We don't do it now. We have Christ as our neighbor, and we don't do it now. Convicting words. Let's make room for family. So God, I pray right now that you'd help us all to make room for family. You sent your son so that we could be forgiven. He could live the perfect life, be sinless, be perfect, and then pay the price for our sins. We have the amazing privilege of being called your sons and daughters, being forgiven, having the greatest message, the greatest thing this world could ever know, what we're all created for, to be in fellowship with you. We just need to live it, Lord. There's always room for family. There's always room. And so, God, I pray that we'd get creative. We just gave out a few ideas on how to be uh, inviting people in. But I pray that we'd realize that God places the lonely in families and no one is here by accident. And anyone that's lonely is welcome, God. We want them placed in this family. They can be so different from us. We welcome them in. God, there's always room for family. Instead of us getting nostalgic and saying, oh, I'd have done it for Jesus. I'd have done it. I would not have been like them. Let's just go and prove it by the way we treat our neighbors, by the way we treat our coworkers, our fellow students, our family that's so near. Help us to prove it that we'd say, God, there's room for you. There's always room for family. I pray for extra grace. If Christmas Eve services are packed to standing room only, and we're out in the hall watching it on monitors, I pray for grace that we'd say, that's the best, Lord, because there's always room for family. Help us, Lord, to be like that, not just now, but all year round. There's always room for more. There's always room for family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.